time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Indeed it does. Thank you, Chad Erickson. Good to have you all with us on this Thursday edition of the show. Just a few days left until the Super Bowl NBA trade deadline day. We'll get to some of the moves that are made as it's not in our our recording window the entire day. So we'll obviously get into some of that today, some of that tomorrow. A historic night in college basketball coaching history on Wednesday night. We'll talk about that in something to consider. Special prop bets uh, for the big game. We'll talk about that with Sammy Arnell. Kyle Troop will stop by the show. Uh, He is a terrific bowler. He won the U.S. Open uh, last weekend over on Fox. You may have come across that in your scrolling around the the TV dial or however you watch, I guess, sports these days. One of the best bowlers in the world, Kyle Troop, set the record, actually, for earnings in one season on the PBA Tour a few years back. Won about a half a million dollars, which for the PBA Tour, that is a big sum of money. Uh, So Kyle Troop will stop by the show. We'll chat with him a bit. And I will wear my loudest bowling jersey for that interview. I am promising I'm going to wear the loudest jersey I have uh, for that interview. But we start things out today with my man, Sam Yarnell. Sam, I am, is in Vegas. Um, and e- each day you look different. Yesterday you had the, the dress shirt on. You know, you, you've been bouncing around in different things you wear, and I've been trying to gauge your level of success in winning money, losing money, based on how you look each morning. Today you don't look so good, so I'm wondering, did, did, did you know what was what was what was yesterday like for you? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you've picked up on this, Jason. Good to be with you <laughs> every day here on the show. I'm doing the opposite of what you're picking up, right? So yesterday looked nice on the show, got nice and buttoned up because what had happened the night before? We didn't have a great night. Today, we're going casual. We're just here in a T-shirt, cooling it with the boys because we had a great night last night, Jason. I'm happy to report that we're up a decent chunk of change on the trip at at this point in time. So there's a good part of me that wants to just take what I've got and walk away. We may not go back to any casino the rest of the trip until Super Bowl 58 kicks off. Are you that disciplined? But are you really that disciplined? I might have to be. I, I We're at a point right now where I'm beating Vegas. How do you go away from that? Easily. You've got a few more days. You've got you've got two more nights you have to navigate there, which we and, and you're in Vegas. What else are you going to do? You going to eat? You going to oh. eat your way through Vegas? I mean, what are you going to do? So this is actually something I did want to share with you and all of our wonderful listeners. Last night. Oh, my goodness. One of the most amazing meals I've ever had. There's a a Japanese restaurant over in the Mandalay Bay. I believe it's called Kumi. Uh, Went there, had some of the most amazing uh, tuna tacos. It was like a pokey taco. It was delicious. Uh, Some of the best sushi I've ever had in my life, which I would not expect here in this landlocked state of Nevada. I've actually been very hesitant to order seafood the entire time because I was here thinking, you know, how fresh could this actually be when we're all this far away from the Pacific Ocean? But I I stand very corrected on that front, Jason. Again, Vegas, some of the best food I've ever had in my life, but even the sushi last night was impeccable. See, if you win FU money there, you go to Nobu. 
That's it. I've been to no. I've done Nobu. It's the most expensive Japanese restaurant in Vegas. It is the very best. It is absurdly expensive. I think my, if I'm not mistaken, my husband and I. This is gonna sound so bougie and, and bad, but we spent about eight hundred dollars on a on a dinner for two, um, at Nobu. But it was also after I had won five grand on a craps table. All right, I know Jeez. I'm not relatable. I'm I'm terrible. I'm sorry. Um, all right, let's talk about. What I think is an interesting question, and again, I think it's a it's good to have you on in this in this instance because from where I am as a guy hosting a sports show in a studio in Palm Springs, California, it feels to me like there's very little buzz and hype. It's a very quiet week. It feels almost monochromatic in terms of in terms of the way all of this is sort of settled this week. And it feels like every year Super Bowl week becomes less and less consequential. The fact that you have two weeks leading into the game, that's sort of the feel I have. How does it feel in the belly of the beast in Las Vegas right now? That's an interesting point you make, Jason. And, and something I keep drawing back to is just comparing it to a year ago and where we were at with the Super Bowl a year ago. And frankly, I'm 100% with you. It seems like when the Chiefs and Eagles were about to play, we couldn't stop talking about it, but now that it's the Chiefs and the Niners, it doesn't feel like there's that same buzz. And I don't quite frankly get it because these really are two teams that's been, that have been on a crash course for the better part of the last three years. Uh, and we're finally getting this matchup on the biggest stage. I think the hype should be there, but I'm with you. I don't feel it. And even being boots on the ground here, I, I will say that over the course of the last couple of days on uh Wednesday night, the Houston, or I'm sorry, the, Edmonton Oilers and the Las Vegas Knights played a, a hockey game here in Vegas. Edmonton came in riding a 16-game winning streak. They were going for the uh, longest win streak, uh, longest consecutive win streak, excuse me, in NHL history against the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas ended up winning that game, but Jason, what I'm saying all that to say is leading up to that game in the two days, I saw more Oilers fans, Edmonton <laughs> Oilers fans here in Vegas than I've seen Chiefs fans and Niners fans combined so far this week. I don't know if that's because the hockey game was closer in terms of uh, in terms of the timeline mm. or if it's just because, quite frankly, the Canadians may be better sports fans than we Americans are, mm. but... At the end of the day, that was the most surprising thing of this entire week to me, Jason. I've seen more hockey fans than football fans here in the city with the Super Bowl. I'm kind of interested to see, now that you bring it up, what the crowd dynamic is for this game on Sunday. You know, who, which fan base is going to travel? I, My hunch is it's going to be a 50-50 crowd. You know, the distance between the two cities uh, to, to Vegas, I actually think it's going to be a pretty even crowd. Maybe you get more San Francisco 49er fans. Um, you know, the, the I, I, I think, how do I say this? I think there's more money. In that part, in, in when you talk about Bay Area fans. So I think they might be more likely to make the trip. we got a few seconds left. Go ahead. I'm with you. I also think that there are a lot of people in and around Vegas who may live here, be here more full time, that have migrated over from Northern California. So I do think there will be just a little bit of an edge, uh, just based on what I've seen here. I think once we get in the stadium, the, uh, the Niners will have just a little bit of a fan's edge. I'm going to go talk to Kyle Troop. I love saying that. And then we're going to come back in a, in a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about line movement on the game. And then I want to get into our special prop bets for the game as well on Sunday. I'm Jason Page. Sports Rep continues on this Thursday. 
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Thursday. Hanging out with Kyle Troop. The one and only uh, PBA superstar. He is one of a kind. Uh, won the U.S. Open last weekend. I am a huge bowling guy, so in his honor, everybody's wondering what the hell's Paige wearing right now. In his honor, I wore my loudest bowling shirt that I can barely fit into right now because I'm so fat. Um, so I decided to put it on just for Kyle today. First of all, I want to thank you. Um, you missed the cut at this week's event and it would have been very easy for you to say, I'm not doing this. I'm going home. Uh, and I would not have blamed you for doing so. So I appreciate you hanging out and, uh, and doing the hit with me, uh, here. And I, w- I wanted to talk about your win at the U S open. It's your second major. Give me an idea of the difference between the one in 2021 and this one in terms of Kyle, the bowler, the mental game, all aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Jason. Uh, pleasure to be on. I love the Jersey, love the basketball, love my name back there. I mean, you're on it. I mean, I did it every yesterday. You're killing it today. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, physically, I feel like in 2021, I was still bowling by far the best I've ever bowled in my life. 
Um, you know, everything was very simple. Uh, but I'm still, you know, very sharp, obviously, winning the U.S. Open, the toughest grueling, you know, tournament there is. Uh, but the mental part of it, I mean, I was – I'm still sharp. I was sharper in 2021 mentally and physically. But, you know, that was part of the process and goal of the week was to improve mentally every day because as that improved, my feet got slower and everything started clicking. And, you know, I didn't bowl well in Wichita. I got to work with my rep a little bit and really started finding that simple, just like one or two key things to think about in my approach. And it really started making sense, making it a lot easier to see the lane, repeat shots. And uh, mentally, you know, uh, Sudoku really helped me out this year to kind of keep my mind quiet. Um, For people who bowl and bowl on their average league hush, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but I still think it needs reminding because when people watch it on TV, as much as the as the PBA and USBC in this case, they try to show where the oil is and give you a sense for what the pattern is. Nothing can compare to bowling on it. So for people who have who have never experienced anything like a US mm-hmm. open shot, describe the difficulty involved. We saw Jason Belmonte shoot a 157, arguably one of the greatest bowlers ever. And, I mean, he couldn't find anything. And, by the way, his approach going in mentally told me he wasn't going to bowl well because he literally got up and said, this shot is terrible. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to bowl on this. And then he basically put it out there, and it, it, sort of, uh, it sort of worked itself out that way. Yeah, uh, you know, so your typical league shot, there's a lot of room for error. That's yep. one of the easiest things to say and the big difference. Um, in a league shot, they put a lot of oil in the middle, not a lot of oil close to the gutter. If you throw it near the gutter, it's going to pop off. If you yank it up the middle lane, it's going to hold the line, plain and simple. The U.S. Open, there's, I mean, you have two boards maybe to miss, and two boards on a lane is two inches. You know, so we're talking minute moves. Uh, if your speed is off a little bit, the ball can get offline, but it's just because the oil is placed a lot differently along the lane, and it's a lot more equal ratio from the middle of the lane to the edge of the lane. Uh, on your house shot, it's like 15 to one, a lot more in the middle and nothing on the outside. U.S. Opens are like one to one. So the same amount of oil in the middle of the lane, same on the outside. So you have to develop your shot. You have to repeat shots, and there's really not a lot of room for error. And then you add in the TV lights, the pressure of competing in front of people, you know, bowling for the title. Uh, all that can make it a little more difficult, but that's where that mental game has to be, you know, on point and sharp. What is the experience like? of having to sit on the bench. I mean, because for all intents and purpose, your championship match was your first match against EJ Tackett because Simonson struggled and Belmonte struggled. You had to sit on the bench and watch EJ Tackett get up in the 10th, hoping that, you know, he wasn't going to, I think he needed the first two or something like he that. He needed a double and then yeah. like three <clears throat> double and count. He pretty much just needed a double. Yeah. And what's it like in that moment? For, for a PBA uh, bowler, when, for everything that you've put into a tournament, for it to come down to that moment, tell me what goes through your mind in that 45 seconds there. You know, um, I've learned as I've gotten a little older, my mind has kind of changed because before it was a lonely, lonely island. You know, I missed in the 10th. I could have shut him out. And I gave him the opportunity. Um, and knowing that he changed balls in the 8th frame to a different ball of the same one he was throwing, it looked a lot better. I know he's a freak. I respect his game. I sat down, and Jesper was sitting kind of beside the TV crew the whole show, and I looked at him, and I just kind of shook my head. I was like, yeah, it's over, because you expect your you expect your opponent 
to always strike, you know, and it sucks, you know, but it's a great week. You know, I made the show, I did what I could do and, you know, I just got to sit there and watch, but I know there's a lot of stuff running through his head because nobody's just up there being, you know, quiet, you know, no pressure at all. They don't feel it. Like everybody feels it. And, uh, you know, probably just got a little quick with his little quick with his feet and, uh, you know, missed his target by about five boards and I was able to move on, but it's a very, it can be a very lonely place, but that is also where I got to reflect for a minute. You know, this may be the end. I did a damn good job this week. Like, you know, I got myself to the show, you know, and that kind of ran through my mind as well that fast, just because I expect him to double. I lost. And I, now I know if I win, it's game over. Like, you know, let me get another game on TV. And then we're talking because I have the advantage. The other guys haven't bowled on the pair. And, and uh, you know, that's why I never mind not being the number one seed. What's it like? I got a minute here left in this segment. What's it like watching Belmo struggle like that, knowing the kind of bowler he is? Uh, you know, it. you've all been there. I mean, I kind of enjoy it maybe just a tiny bit at times. You never want to see your buds bowl bad, but, you know, he's beat me three times on television, and I do realize it was just the wrong game plan. You know, it's a tough decision to make at the beginning of the match. You know, you got to decide a ball, decide the line, and it just wasn't the right answer. And I knew that, and I could see it, and I had great ball reaction. So, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence. I just stuck to my process. But, uh, you know, I love the man. He's great. He's the greatest of all time, I have to say that. And uh, I know the next time I bowl him on TV, he's probably bowling 250 at least. So it's coming. <laughs> and you, you guys have the same ball rep? Uh, we do. You know, and we have a team. So we have three guys there. But, you know, any information that I say, you know, it it's just a revolving door pretty much. Obviously, they're not going to tell me what Belmo's right. talking to them about. But if they gather some information from Belmo, like all oh, this right lane's tighter, even though they're probably already going to know that to begin with, right. you know, they'll be like, yeah, you know, Belmo, you know, his ball was going pretty light. All right, hold tight. We're going to bring you right back. Uh, hanging out with Kyle Troop, PBA Bowler, U.S. Open winner. We continue on Sports Wrap. We continue on this Thursday edition of the show. Sammy Arnell will be back in a few minutes from Vegas, baby. See if he's lost all his money at the Super Bowl yet. He said he's even through Wednesday, so we'll see how he's we'll see how he's doing today. Uh, um, you know what? We got to get a uh, Super Bowl prediction out of uh, out of Kyle Troop too. I think. Do you, are you so oh, Kyle? Uh, Kyle, are you first of all? Are you a football fan? Uh, very much so. I'm actually a season ticket holder of the Carolina Panthers. I am sorry. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So football's great for me, but uh, yeah, I mean Super Bowl. It's going to be a great game. I think San Francisco's the better team. But Kansas City is going to win because there's nothing better for the NFL than Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift kissing <laughs> under confetti because they're not going to make more money anywhere else. Then he's going to propose. He's going to propose to her on the field too, and he's going to propose to her on the field. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. like he's. I told yes for that when Kansas City beat Miami. They were eight to one. I was like, bro, you need to bet the Chiefs. Like. And he put a hundred on them. So yeah. Well, here's, here's, an interesting, here's an interesting question. Different sports leagues have rules about um, their athletes or whatever it is. And you guys are independent contractors. It's all a little different with something like the PBA, PGA, tennis, things like that. Um, 
Are you guys allowed to gamble on sports? Uh, we can gamble on sports. There's no rules against like gambling on, you know, basketball or football. Uh, but and there is gambling for bowling. Um, I know Fox you know, has even something here, with it. I know even Fox here in does, Illinois, yeah. Bet Rivers. Yeah. Uh, Bet Rivers has lines for like the PBA league next mm-hmm. week. Um, a buddy of mine had a ticket at eight to one for me to win the U.S. Open last week <laughs> up a jersey. I don't know what he had on it, but he sent me a picture of the ticket. All right. But uh, we definitely can't bet on any of the bowling. Um, you know, and that's a big hope of mine is that, you know, if gambling gets going into bowling more, that's going to drive more money, more interest, more sponsors. Yeah. And then who knows, you know, we may be bowling for, you know, a million dollars at a time. Uh, you know, that's the goal. Well, grow bigger, get bigger and better. Since you, since you brought it in that direction, um, if, if there is something that you think could sort of, get the tour from this level to this level in terms of bowling. Because, look, let's be honest, the number of bowlers that actually make a living on the PBA tour, I'm not talking about owning a pro shop or teaching lessons or things like this. I'm talking about actual bowlers uh, who are making a living strictly from the tour. It's minute, isn't it? Well, you know, it, it looks that way just because, you know, you do see our prize funds. And if we were basing it all strictly off of just prize funds, it would be fairly tough. But, you know, a lot of these players have a lot of contracts with a bunch of different sponsors, getting monthly salaries. Uh, you know, so you'd be surprised that you know there's a lot of bowlers doing quite well with other sponsorships. But I mean, we're still not making fifteen million, twenty million dollars a year, right? And you know, I do think one of the biggest things that will bring a large amount of people to it is gambling, because I mean, the casinos didn't shut down during COVID. We need to get that into bowling. Yeah, that's plain and simple. (laughs) Um, Let me ask you something. Social media is an enormous part of what you guys do now. Uh, I follow one guy, and only because I just have a limited amount of bandwidth in the course of my day, uh, a guy named Darren Tang, who I think is also a Storm guy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, I I follow some of what he does on social media, and I I clip around, flip around to different YouTube channels, and you see different people doing different things. How big of a commitment is it for you guys? to be on social media and to be driving interest in the game in what you guys are doing and even just maybe finding another source of income through it. Most definitely. So, you know, first I have to shout out the bowlers that are doing the YouTube realm. You know, there's Darren Tang, uh, Packy Hanrahan, Brad and Kyle. Brad and Kyle are all all over the place. You know, and that takes a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of work. I do not have that amount of time and I don't really want to get into that realm. I love camera. I don't know how to use it, but you know, that is great for the sport. That is one of the other places that I think bowling has a chance to just explode and get a lot more people involved is through social media. Um, now, you know, I am, I I would say I'm fairly active on my Facebook and my Instagram as far as making posts and whatnot, but you know, outside of the YouTube and, you know, a lot of the sponsors, you know, sponsored posts, you know, driving audiences to my different sponsors that I have, you know, just anybody to get interested in the bowling. And I do believe that is an important part of it, but the YouTube realm is another level. And these guys are making, you know, several thousand dollars a month. You know, they have over, I think Darren has 150 K subscribers and he has great videos. You know, he's, he paid a guy from day one making no money, he hired this guy from, I believe, California at the yeah. time, and now he lives in Vegas. And uh, you know, it's it's great to see his and, league night you know, stuff. Even talking about his league night league stuff night is stuff, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. It's great. 
And, you know, this also will open up opportunities for bowlers like myself to do a video with these guys. You know, I've already talked to Packer, uh, Packy Hanrahan, you know, like, Hey, if you ever want to come on the channel and make a video, you know, make some money off of the revenue, you know, cause they're willing to share it because they may make several thousand dollars off the YouTube video that they make. You know, they'll toss us a couple hundred bucks. Like, Hey, I just want to get on the video to help your channel and just be on a camera talking about bowling, you know, growing the sport. So uh, it's a, it's a great opportunity for the players and the sport. And I think, a lot of things are leading to bowling heading in the right direction. You know, more TV exposure, more sponsorships, more presence in social media. You really can't ask for too much more right now. Uh, the question I've been asked most by people when I told them I was going to have you on the show. Uh, my friend Cliff Saunders in uh, Houston uh, put on my Facebook page. And uh, former PBA pro uh, Scott Norton, who's uh, who won a couple times on the tour. Uh, both of them asked about your hair. And they were dead serious. One was, how long does it take to get the hair to look like that? Uh, and the person said, and I'm not joking. And then Scott said, what hair products does he use to keep his glorious fro? All right. So I need the first secrets. Question. Well, as you can see, I have some hair product in my fro today. Uh, and it is Weedad, I believe. Either Q-U-I-D-A-D, some fancy purple bottle my fiance told me to buy from Ulta. That place is hella expensive, by the way. So uh, well, I don't go to Ulta very much. Uh, and so I've used some of that, some different leave-in conditioner. And it does take about 20 minutes or so to towel dry. I mean, there's a little process. Dry it with a towel, pick it out. Needs to air dry for about an hour. I can pick it out again. It looks good to go. And then, like, later on in the afternoon, oh yeah, then we're rocking. And then, lastly, day two fro is about twice as big because then I just wake up, <laughs> wash my body, pick my hair out again, good to go. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Kyle, I enjoyed this. I, I hope we can do it again sometime. Um, you know, I, I love talking bowling. Uh, it's great to get insights from somebody who is, who is literally in the trenches doing it. Let's do it again soon, all right? Let's not make this the last time. Yes, sir. I had a blast. I love this. Love the show. I'll definitely be a, a follower and looking forward to coming back chatting with you again. Great stuff. Kyle Troop hanging out with us. We're coming back. Sammy Arnell from Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Thursday. We're almost through Super Bowl week. It's almost over already. What are we going to talk about for the next, like, eight months? <laughs> Seven months, something like that. Thanks to Kyle Troop for hanging out with us. U.S. Open winner. And I got to say this. The dude came on the show despite missing the cut at this week's um, PBA tour stop in Illinois. He could have just as easily said, yeah, you know what? I missed the cut. I'm going home. Don't bother me. 
He came on, and and frankly, I could have done like three or four segments with him. He's a great guy. Uh, he does like Kansas City to win the game, even though he thinks San Francisco is the better team. I think a lot of people kind of feel that way as Sammy Arnell rejoins us uh, from the belly of the beast in Las Vegas, undisclosed location, so the books don't try to stuff him into the back of a minivan. Um, Sam, we're at two and a half. This game's at two and a half, KC plus two and a half. Are we going to get to three by kickoff on Sunday? So it's it's a very interesting question, Jason, and it's one that I think people across the gambling world may be asking themselves, maybe the more uh, introductory level betters. Here's the thing that we've got to remember about the Super Bowl. This is the culmination of the entire NFL season, not only from a football perspective, but also from a betting perspective. I'll come back to that in a second. The interesting thing to note is that we see this line continue to move with public money still coming in on the other side. The public has not gone away from the Chiefs. The Chiefs have the vast majority of the bets and the vast majority of the handle at just about every book in this game. But as we've seen, as we continue to talk about, the line continues to move in favor of San Francisco. I know people are continuing to ask themselves why. Here's the answer. All of these books have what's called position, right? They have position on one team to win based on NFL futures bets they've been taking since the end of last season. Since last Super Bowl, people have been putting in bets on who's going to win this very game without even knowing who is playing in it. Because of that, every book, whether it's FanDuel, whether it's William Hill here in Vegas, whether it's uh, Circus Sports, they all have a position on the game. And quite frankly, most of them are with the Kansas City Chiefs because the Kansas City Chiefs have become what is called in the industry a huge liability to all of these sports books. If the Kansas City Chiefs win this game, the sports books are not going to fare as well as they would if the 49ers win this game. Now, the Super Bowl is a very hard game for any book to lose on just because of the sheer volume of bets compared to any other game throughout the calendar year across any sport. All of this said, we're going to continue to see this line move. I don't think we're going to see it move in favor of Kansas City anymore because at this point, the risk managers have to assess, all right, can we really afford to push this spread through the key number in terms of our position that we have based on the futures bets? And there's just no way because you push it to a three, you double your chances of having pushes across the board on all those threes that are taken. We're not going to see it get to three, two and a half. If I had to guess is where it'll land uh, right before kickoff. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bump back down to two, even for just a couple of hours uh, before we get to Sunday afternoon. I love Kansas City either way. Um, we'll do Page versus the Prince tomorrow and give our official picks on the game. But I have I, there isn't anything that's dissuaded me uh, from the fact that I think Kansas City is going to win this game. And just about everybody we've talked to this week, um, with the exception of Nick Ferguson, who I think likes San Francisco, uh, just about everybody I've talked to this week likes Kansas City. All right, uh, special prop bets. Today is special prop bet. Special prop bet day on the show. Try saying that 10 times fast. Um, give me some thoughts on some of the weirder, you know, special bets that are out there for this game that you like. All right, Jason. So we're going to get funky here by get the funky. end. Get funky. I'm promising you that. But we'll, we'll start with the chalk because I think 
these game specials, uh, they're not a way that we need to put a vast majority of our bankroll into this game. Uh, they're special bets, right? They're not something that we'd bet on regularly. That said, because they're specials and we don't see these every week, I think there are some missed numbers out there. Mm. Uh, let's get into it. Even money for Travis Kelsey to have 25 receiving yards in each half. Uh, we've been talking all week. I like his over six and a half receptions, alt his receptions to eight, alt them to 10. They're going to throw the ball wow. to Travis Kelsey. Even money for Travis Kelsey to have 25 receiving yards in each half. I'll take that. I'll even take Travis Kelsey to have 50 yards in each half at plus 370. I like both of those bets. Look at how hot they've been right now in that Kansas City offense. There are also a ton of touchdown score combining parlays that you can have in these specials. The one that's screaming the most to me, McCaffrey, Rice, Travis Kelsey to combine to combine for four touchdowns, five to one. I love that price. I think that those three bets right there, once I get back to the East Coast, Jason, because obviously our friends at FanDuel and the state of Nevada haven't quite gotten to an agreement where we can (laughs) mobily bet on their app in this state. Once I get back east, I'm placing those three bets. And here's my long shot. Here's my fun one that I think could give us a little bit of a good time. Each team to score a touchdown and a field goal in each half. Each team to score a touchdown and a field goal in each half. I love that bet. What is it? 26 to 1. Might have to send you some. Might have to Venmo you some money. Sammy Arnell, ladies and gentlemen. Hanging out with us on the show. Sam, have fun out there in Vegas. I'm going to talk a little bit about Gino Ariema coming up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, enjoy that, and we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow for Page versus the Prince. We'll give winners for the last time this NFL season then, Jason. Yeah, last time indeed. We're coming back. Lots more to do. Sports Wrap rolls on on this Thursday. Hi friends, Richard Karn here. Now I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. That's 800-394-8109. We continue with Sports Wrap on this Thursday. Odds and ends right around the corner and We're saving all the NBA trade information for then because there's a lot going on on this trade deadline Thursday around the NBA. A couple of surprising moves. Uh, We'll get to that coming up. But something to consider first, and this one is with regard to Gino Ariema, uh, who recorded his 1,200th win uh, with a win against Seton Hall on Wednesday night. He's the fastest to 1,200 wins. 
And look, I mean, the reality is Gino hasn't just been a game changer. He's been an earth changer, uh, a planet size changer. Um, he's changed the universe of college basketball in, in his abilities um, over the years at the University of Connecticut. I'll admit, I'm a little biased. Uh, I have had a front row seat for a number of those wins uh, over the course of Gino's career. But the number 1,200 doesn't do anything to compare to the impact he's had uh, on women's college basketball. I want to take you back about six years because I, I in, in kind of doing the research for, for this segment, I found one particular quote from him. And I want you to see it for yourself. And it's discuss and, and it's this mindset and this kind of thought process with him that is one of the things that I think makes him so brilliant. So take a listen to this and listen to Gino in his own words talking about the differences between great teammates and superstar players. Kids inherently want to be good teammates. I really believe that with all my heart. Most kids when they're on a team, I guarantee you go watch any seventh, seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds, they want to be good teammates. You watch them play. When they get a little bit older and they start having a little more success and then the parents get involved, they become not so great teammates because they're told a lot of times that you're not going to get anywhere unless you shine, unless you, you know. So now, back in the day, we had AAU tournaments you had to win X number of games to qualify for the national championship. And you played on your team and you, you had to live in your state or whatever, your area to play. And you played and if you lost, you went home and it was devastating. And that's Rebecca and Jamel Elliott and Jen Rosati and Nikisha Sales, you know, going, you know, Megan Patterson as far back as then. Well, that's changed. Now, when kids go to these tournaments, they're not going there to win games. They're going there so that the coach can see them exhibit their skills. So this idea of winning for the weekend doesn't exist anymore. So it's not their fault. That's just the way it is. And I, you know, I try when, when we go recruiting to identify those kids who still have a tremendous interest in being great teammates. We're not always successful. Believe me, I've had my share of guys that were really hard to coach for that reason. And you can trace it back generally to the parents. Without question, you can trace it back to the parents. There was something else very interesting in what Gino said there um, regarding women's college basketball. And it's another thing that I, I really love and admire about him. A lot of times we talk about the way women are treated in sports. There's Title IX, all these, different, all these different things that are important to the conversation. But I love one of the things that, about Gino is he's always referred to his women playing on these teams as his guys. And that's the way he's, he's treated them. I don't think he's ever treated the women on his teams and the the young women that he's coached, you know, oftentimes we're talking 18, 19-year-old superstar basketball players at the high school level who come to his program, and he just treats them like one of the guys. And I think that is something that has um, been an aid to making him one of the 
greatest coaches of all time. And again, I know we don't give women's college basketball nearly enough of the due that is deserved. I'm I'm fully um, cognizant of that. And again, coming from a state like Connecticut, where women's college basketball, not just men's college basketball, um, where a lot of times we can talk about Connecticut as a blue blood in the men's game. Obviously, it is in the women's game. Um, we don't give it enough credit. We don't give it enough of the respect it deserves. And I think Gino could have been successful coaching at any level he wanted. I'm sure he had opportunities to bolt for the WNBA at some point. Hell, he probably could have gone and, and, and coached men and coached in the NBA if he wanted. But he chose to stay at the University of Connecticut. And he made it clear last night in his, in his post-game press conference. He doesn't have hundreds of wins left. He might have, you know, single digits. He hasn't really indicated when he plans to retire, but he's much closer to the 18th hole than he is the starting tee box, isn't he? But when it's over, and that will be sooner rather than later, you will talk about Gino Ariema in the light that you talk about a John Wooden, um, a Pat Summit, a Mike Krzyzewski, uh, the greatest coaches that have ever, ever coached the game at any level uh you've got to give gino obviously a lot of credit for that congratulations gino ariama win number 1200 for his career all right we got a lot more to do as we continue with the program believe it or not uh odds and ends is right around the corner and some big news from the nba as it relates to the trade deadline i didn't think it was going to be this busy I thought all the big moves had taken place, and granted, there are no earth-shattering superstars moving from one team to another. I was wondering what the Knicks were going to do. We have gotten our answer, and I think if you're a Knicks fan, you're going to like it. Sports Wrap continues on this Thursday. All right, just about time to put the wraps on this Thursday edition of the show. But before we do, time for odds and ends. Lots of trade activity around the NBA on this trade deadline Thursday. Now, keep in mind, at the time we're recording this show, there is still about an hour and 45 minutes left in the trade deadline. So not every trade that gets made will be mentioned during this broadcast. But there are a lot of deals, and I want to run through some of them, and I'm just going through the list uh, as I'm seeing them. So if you see me looking down, I'm literally just reading them off of a screen. Uh, Hornets finalize a trade. P.J. Washington to the Mavericks for forward Grant Williams and Seth Curry, a first-round pick also involved in that deal. Uh, The Raptors are sending Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young to the Nets. For point guard Spencer Dinwiddie, the Hornets also getting uh, guard Vasily Micic and draft compensation in a deal that's going to send Gordon Hayward to the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is one that definitely piqued my interest. The Knicks have made a deal that will um, send Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, um, some draft picks, a couple other guys, Uh, that aren't getting a ton of playing time. Uh, Two future second-round picks going to the Pistons in exchange 
The Knicks are getting Alec Burks from the Pistons. Um, are the Knicks also getting... See, there had been earlier reports that the Knicks were also getting um, Bogdanovich. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, Knicks complete a larger deal with the Pistons. So they get uh, Bogdanovich, Alec Burks for Quentin Grimes, uh, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, uh, and a couple of second-round picks. So that's the deal going on uh, that has taken place here between the Knicks and the Pistons. And that, look, I mean, that is a huge deal for the Knicks to get the shooting of Bogdanovich, um, which is definitely going to open some things up for them offensively. And Burks has been with the Knicks before. Um, you know, he's kind of fallen off a bit, but um, gives them a little added depth there. The 76ers are sending Daniel House and a 2024 second-round pick via the Knicks to the Pistons. The move gives the Sixers more cap space. It is believed they may go and take a run at Kyle Lowry um, if he becomes available, if the Hornets decide to cut him um, and buy him out. Obviously, that'll offer up some opportunities there. Uh, the Raptors get Kelly Olenek. Um and Ochai Agbaji from the Jazz in exchange for Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis, a 2024 uh, first-round pick. The 76ers also uh, earlier today added Buddy Heald to the mix from the Pacers for Marcus Morris, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, and three second-round picks. So a lot going on here. Uh, as we approach the the trade deadline. And again, we'll have a recap of all of the moves as they come down uh, on Thursday, on Friday's show. Be interesting, so far, again, at the time we're taping our show, um, because remember, this show airs at all different times on all different affiliates around the country. So it's it's tricky for us on a day like this. Um, with about an hour and 45 minutes left until the deadline, there's one name you have not heard so far make a deal. The Los Angeles Lakers have done nothing. Another team you haven't heard really heard anything. The Bucks done nothing. The Celtics, title contender, done nothing. So as interesting as it is about the teams that we have heard make deals here on this trade deadline Thursday around the NBA... It's the names you haven't heard. It's the teams you haven't heard that I think would pique a lot of people's interest, again, to to, to sort of use that phrase. Again, we'll see what happens uh, as we get to the trade deadline itself. Um, we will have, I would imagine, most of the names by the end of that trade deadline. Keep an eye on my uh, my Twitter X, formerly known as Twitter feed, uh, at the back page. I'll have reaction to that as we go throughout the day. Friday, we will have Paige versus the Prince, so make sure to uh, hang out with us for the Friday edition of Sports Wrap as we'll obviously get into all the final news and notes of what has been a quiet Super Bowl week. And look, every year it gets quieter and quieter. You have two weeks leading up to the game. There's this lull the first week. And then the second week, teams just aren't doing all that much. You're not you're not getting huge news. Sometimes there might be an injury here or there, but for the most part, you know, we know what these teams are coming to the table with on Sunday. It's been very quiet in this trade deadline week. Dare I say boring, as I mentioned uh to Sammy Arnell, who's in Las Vegas. 
earlier in the show, this has been a boring NFL um, Super Bowl week. It just has. And that doesn't mean the game won't be great on Sunday and and um, and we won't have plenty to talk about next Monday of a, of a fantastic Super Bowl. It's possible we get a great game, but ultimately um, this NBA trade, uh, this NFL uh, Super Bowl week rather, has been a very quiet one. Um, and I suspect that's just because you know teams have so much experience being in this situation, and they're not going to make any unnecessary headlines. You certainly don't want to have those distractions. That is going to wrap it up for us on this Thursday. Thank you to our guests, Kyle Troop, U.S. Open bowling winner from this past weekend. Always a pleasure to talk to a fellow bowler. He's a little better than me, just a little. Thanks to Sammy Arnell for hanging out with us as well in Vegas as he has all week long. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you back here on Friday. Lots to do then. Bye-bye.